0: Just Our Real Estate, episode number 282.
1: If you've bought and sold 15 houses over the last two years, the IRS is going to laugh at you trying to label yourself an investor, right?
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and today I have a fun show for you. It's exciting. It's Something that you can really use this time of the year, so we're going to dive into that in a minute. Real quick, I want to talk to you about Lead Propeller. Now, you guys, if you've listened to this show, if you're a regular listener, you know that I promote Lead Propeller. It's something that I believe in. It's a company that I believe in, and you know, it's a really great product. So if you're trying to get leads, if you're trying to get more leads, I should say, everyone's trying to get leads, right? And good leads. If you're not getting enough, if you're not able to get enough Solid leads that turn into good deals for you in the way that you're currently going about it. If you're not using online online lead generation, I think you're missing the boat. It's a definitely an avenue of getting deals that a lot of investors don't utilize fully, and it's a huge mistake. I use Lead Propeller. Lead Propeller is fantastic. You need to go there and check it out. If you go to my website, JustStartRealEstate.com, on the right hand side of the page. There's a link, a little banner there for Lead Propeller. Just, I'm I'm telling you guys, just click on it and go there. There's no obligation to go there and read, right? Click on it, go there, learn about it, check out the example sites, and if you do choose to to, um, utilize the service, if you decide to build your lead generating website through Lead Propeller, you get one month to try it. Guys, you can't beat that. I mean, look into it try it. If you don't like it, you can always cancel and get out. You can always do that. But I'm telling you, once you get it up and running and see what it can do and see how easy it is to get the site, a really good-looking site, by the way, up and running, you're going to love it. So go there and check it out. My website, juststartrealestate.com. Right-hand side, click on the Lead Propeller banner. Go there, read about it, check it out. I guarantee you're going to love it. If you have any issues, if you have something about it you don't like, here's the beautiful thing. I know the developer. It's Danny Johnson. He's a great guy. Let me know. Let Danny know. And if there's anything that can be done to fix any issues that you maybe don't like or that you would like to see, I'm sure he would take those under advisement. Let me know, and I'll pester him to no end until he gets it in there. So, <laughs> Seriously, though, I, he is developing it as, you know, as we speak. He's improving upon it. So... Um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But if there's uh, features that you would like to see that it doesn't currently have, stay tuned because he is adding to this thing all the time to make it even better. So go check it out. If you don't like it, I will take personal responsibility. Let me know, and uh, I will I will give you a formal apology. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Go there and check it out and try Lead Propeller. All right, guys, let's dive into today's show. All right, today I am going to play you an interview that I did about a year ago with Josh Bowerly. Josh Bowerly is a CPA and an investor and you know what, we're getting toward the end of the year. Now is when you really need to get all of your records together, get them straight, get them ready for your CPA, your tax guy or your tax lady and and make sure you you know you got everything straightened out for the end of the year so you don't get in trouble with the IRS. Josh is an amazing CPA. He does taxes for some really great people that I know. And and he's just he's just a great smart guy and he knows the business. So take a listen to this interview. It really makes sense this time of the year to listen to it. When I interviewed him originally, it was mid-January, and it's a little bit late in mid-January. I mean, it's not too late, obviously, but it's kind of later in the game than it should be to start thinking about taxes. So now here we are in December, and this is the time that you want to get everything organized and talk to your CPA and get some answers. So it's a great interview. It's very timely. I, I know you're going to love it. It was great interview. So take a listen, and, and uh, let's start thinking about those end-of-the-year finances, guys. All right here we go. Let's take a listen to Josh Bowerly. All right. Thank you for joining me again here on Just Start Real Estate. I am very happy to have my guest on today. We're going to talk real estate, but we're also going to talk a lot of tax strategies and tax implications of real estate. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of interesting things here. So buckle up, take a a notepad and grab a pen and uh, let's get down to this. My guest today is Josh Bowerly. Josh is a CPA and the founder of JDB Business Solutions, a tax practice specializing in working with small business owners and real estate investors to minimize their tax liability while keeping them in line with the ever-changing tax code. He also owns a real estate investment company, Pinnacle Properties and Development, with his dad, where they have acquired over 16 rental properties and have five fix and flips. He lives in Denver, Colorado with his wife, Courtney, and they are expecting twins this February. So congratulations on the twins this February, Josh. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: All right, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show, and we're, we're talking tax today. So, uh, like I said, I think everyone should grab a notepad. This isn't, uh, a lot of times, this isn't the kind of thing you just commit to memory and move on. It, it, you're going to have to write some things down. But uh, with tax season coming up here, uh, it could not be more appropriate. So, we're going to get down to it, and we're going to learn about uh, Josh and his business and get some tax questions answered. I know I have questions of my own, so this is going to be exciting for me. Uh, a lot of times I talk to professionals. We're, we're discussing things that I, I have a pretty good knowledge of. This is not one of those areas, so I'm excited to get started.
1: Yep, yeah, I'm excited to do it.
0: Okay, you know what? Let's jump into What I want to find out before we get into the tax stuff, let's, let's talk a little bit about you. Where did uh, where'd you get your start? How did you find yourself uh, being the master of taxes here, and how did you get into real estate? And let's just kind of go back and, and, and find out where this all started.
1: Yeah, so actually, the real estate part came first. Um, I was in high school, senior in high school, and I was involved in a, a pretty bad car accident. Um, we actually, with a friend, somehow got off a cliff, a fifty-foot drop, and we uh, got out just before the car blew up. And
0: get the heck you know, out of here! Seriously, yeah,
1: it was crazy. And luckily, the only thing that happened to either of us, my hand went through the side window and got hurt pretty bad. And about a year later, I ended up getting a dec- uh, not good amount, but a decent amount of money from that accident. And I was a freshman in college at that point, and my dad said, "I know what freshman in college would do with that money, and you're not going to spend it on beer. You're going to invest it, and I think we should get a real estate company going." So we formed a company, Pinnacle Properties and Development, and we started. We bought a uh, duplex and a triplex side by side, and it was really fun. It was really interesting. I started to really dig into it. Um, We started to do some more rentals, a few fix and flips, and keep in mind this is in Ohio and when the market started to crash and we were getting some houses for like $15,000 and like nice houses. and It was just crazy. And then the market started to turn and we couldn't buy them anymore so, or we couldn't sell them anymore. So we just started to focus on the rental properties part of it. But when I was a senior in college, I uh, I, I was pre law at that point, criminal justice, planning to go to law school, had a semester to go. And I was starting to, to research more of the real estate stuff. And I read a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And yep. it, it talked a lot about the tax strategies involved with real estate. And I was like, man, this is really interesting. Uh, I've always loved numbers. And I, with a semester to go, I completely switched my major to accounting and uh, called my parents to tell them the bad news that I'd be in for at least another year. And I uh, ended up graduating with my accounting degree and worked, been in accounting for about eight years now. And last December, I finally decided that I didn't like working for people anymore so I started my own firm, JDB Business Solutions, and really focused on small businesses and real estate investors, just because when I was in the CPA firm, I kind of saw the need they had. You know, They are paying huge rates for a CPA, sometimes rates they couldn't afford. And if they could afford the rates for the tax prep, they then couldn't afford to get the, the follow-up strategy and planning throughout the year. So they're just really missing out on so much. So I wanted to create a business where they could get the qualified help they needed and afford to get help throughout the entire year. So that's kind of what I've been doing since last December, and I've I've loved every minute of it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know from my own personal background, I had a difficult time finding a CPA that really understood real estate, real estate investors, small business. I mean, if you didn't want to go to just one of the big box tax preparers, which I didn't. Um I felt I felt like I needed a more specialized, you know, CPA or someone who really understood what I was doing. And it, it took me a while. I mean I, I asked around and got references and, and I had to talk to people and it, it really wasn't easy. So I agree with you. I think there's definitely a need out there for someone who specializes in and understand small business and you know for my in my case uh real estate specifically that that's that's fantastic i think that's awesome
1: yeah no, i love doing that. i love working with them and giving them the help they need
0: yeah that's great so you've been uh you said uh eight years in accounting yeah okay how long have you had your own uh your own practice about a year now okay yep. about a year now okay yep. okay that's awesome 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 okay so all right let's let's dive into this a little bit like i said tax season coming up here um I've been, I've been doing real estate now for about five years. Um, so I've not been in it that long. I mean, when I say five years, that's, I'm not counting the, the couple of years there where I was like just reading up and going to meetings and, and talking about real estate. I'm talking about actually investing. And, you know, even in five years, I still I still feel like an idiot. Like, I don't I don't really think I understand what's going on. And, you know, and because of that, I, I honestly um, just a quick story for me. I actually got got burned. I had a CPA that was doing my taxes. And this is a CPA who had been doing my taxes. I mean, since I was an adult, basically. So he's been doing it for years and years and years and, and he was a sharp guy and, and he he always did a really good job, but one year he did my did my taxes while I was running my real estate business, and you know he just he made an error. He made a he fat fingered something basically, um, but it was uh, it was sort of in my favor at the time. I didn't look over the paperwork. I just you know whatever he gave me, I sent it in. I, I didn't bother looking at it, and uh, you know he he really screwed it up, and uh, and uh, I got audited, so I had to go through that fun process. And uh, as it turns out, I was in the wrong. I mean, I found out also that um, as far as the um, as far as the government's concerned, those taxes are yours, and whether you have someone prepare them or not, it's your responsibility ultimately to make sure that you're you're in agreement with everything that's on them. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had to pay a penalty, and and it was it was not fun. And you know, going through uh, records from four years prior wasn't wasn't a lot of fun either. So yeah, I mean, it's you definitely have to. Take responsibility and i 've learned to look them over and you know even though i don't maybe know everything that i 'm looking at, you can see major you know if there's a major major something wrong you you should be able to to spot that in terms of your income and that kind of thing so that's what I found so what i 'm wondering is okay, so if you're talking to a new real estate investor right and and they don't know let's just say they haven't even done their first deal they don 't know they might be a rental guy, they might be a, a fix and flip guy, maybe they'll go into wholesaling what would from a tax perspective what what direction would you give them would you have an opinion about oh man if you're if you're just starting out you don't really care which direction you go from a tax perspective is there a best way to go as far as investing models
1: yeah so i mean when you're first starting in my opinion the most important thing you can do tax wise is, is to get a relationship with a good cpa like you talked about it, it's one mistake can cause an audit it can cause you penalties it can cause you interest And when you're just starting, especially, you don't know what you're doing. You you may not even know whether you want to get into rentals or fix and flip or wholesaling. So the best thing you can do is to get a relationship with the CPA, find out what the tax consequences are for each of those categories, find out what type of business entity you should be in, find out what you need to be doing ahead of time. Because, I mean, there are so many tax advantages with real estate, but the problem is a lot of them need to be taken advantage of up front, right? It's not something that you can come a year later and say, okay, give me that... uh, Give me that 1031 exchange that I wanted. It's something that you have to plan in advance. So when you're just getting started, find a CPA that you can trust, one that you can really work with, and it's going to take the time to explain all the consequences of every option you can take. That would be my best advice for someone that's just getting started.
0: Okay, so you don't have a, a, a necessarily a, a style of uh, investing in terms of fix and flip, buy and hold, that you would just default say is is has more tax advantages or is easier. that Yeah, way. I
1: mean, if we're, if we're talking tax advantages, uh, rentals is, is your best bet. But there, are, I mean, there's tax advantages okay. with all three. So sure, it, it's just that the and. Most people, in my experience, end up doing a little bit of both or all three in in the long run. So you want to plan for that. You want to know what you have to do. We'll, We'll talk more about this later, but there's tax consequences if you mix the two within the same business.
0: Okay. All right, and that's interesting. I, that that's actually really really good to know because I think most people just form an LLC and and do a little wholesaling like you said. They do they do a lot of different things, a lot of rentals and some fix and flips and, you know, lease options and uh, you know, subject to whatever. They just do everything out of one exactly. entity. So that's that's really uh that's good info. Okay. So that being said, what are some of the the mistakes that you see real estate investors making when it comes to taxes? What what are some of the big uh, you know, the big Boo boos they're doing out there. Okay,
1: so the first one I see, um, you, you talked about this a little bit, but they, they put their holdings in the wrong entity. Um, I've had so many clients who come to me come tax time, and they just started a real estate business that year, and they're doing fix and flips, and they come and they're in an S corporation, and I'm like, w- well, why did you get in an S corporation? They say, well, my cousin told me that in an S corporation, I don't pay any taxes. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, or, or even worse, I, I read it on, I, I saw a late infomercial that told me C corporations, you can hide all your real estate in it. And there's just, there's so much bad information out there. There's your, your business entity that you put your real estate in can determine how much legal liability you're subject to. It can dramatically affect your taxes. So it's something you want to get right from the start. And and I see a number of people who get in the wrong one right from the start. And, And that's tough to change down the road. So that,
0: okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that a little yep. bit. I mean, that's that's great information. Let's be kind of specific. Okay. Let's say I am going to be a rental guy. Yep. Now, I, I know that you're going to be giving me kind of general information here. I, you have to look probably look at my situation to give me like very specific answers. I, I get that, but let's just talk generally speaking here. And we're not giving anyone any specific tax advice here. I mean, everyone should talk to their own CPA, obviously. Yep. But let's let's talk for the pay for the purpose of of um. Uh, of talking about this let's say i'm going to be a rental guy from a you know generally speaking i'm a rental guy i'm going to do rentals what what entity should i be going to
1: so make? the thing with rentals and the great thing about rentals is they're not subject to self employment tax so what you can do is become a simple llc it's the simplest one to set up and you're not going to have any tax consequences from that Where that differs from a fix and flip is a fix and flip will be subject to self-employment taxes and you want to be able to minimize that with a different, something like an S corporation or possibly even a C corporation, depending how big you are. But the point is, each one has their own tax consequences. And so a rough way to say it is, in general, if you plan to invest and hold for the long run, an LLC is best for you. If you're looking for short-term profits, you're probably looking at a
0: corporation.
1: So th- I guess that'd be the way I'd sum it up.
0: Okay, no, that's and that's great. I mean that that's super good information at least for someone to get started. Yep. Um, okay, and and then uh, as far as mistakes that new new uh, investors are making, so the entity is the is the big one. Um, I know for me, and, and I, I don't know if you see this. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably do, but I didn't I didn't keep good records when I first started. You know, I just threw receipts into a drawer, and I, I was so disorganized. And when I got audited, unfortunately, it was it went back into the years where I wasn't organized.
1: So you you came uh, to point number two. They aren't organized enough. <laughs> So running a a rental business is the same as any other business. You've got to track your income and expenses, and you've got to document it. Um, One of the great things about being in a business, any business, whether it's real estate or whatever, is the tax write-offs you get. So the things that you've been paying for anyway, things like your cell phone, your your Internet at home, your car, your computer, all these things you've been paying for even before you started your business, now all of a sudden they're possibly deductible, either partially or fully. And you're not going to be able to take advantage of that unless you're documenting things. If you're the kind of person who comes to your CPA and you you shove them a, a shoebox full of receipts, not only are they going to charge you a heck of a lot of money to have to organize that for you, they are going to – they're not going to be able to, to find the deductions you need because they're they're just going to be organizing your stuff. And then like you said, what happened to you, you get audited in a few years and you don't have the backup for it. And the way the IRS works, it doesn't matter whether it's a legitimate deduction or not. If you can't prove it, you lose it. So. Being organized, it's, it's so vitally important. If it's not something that's a skill set for you and it's not for a lot of people, hire a bookkeeper. It, it's not that much money. It's going to save you money on tax prep fees because you're organized, and if you're audited, it's going to be such great protection for you.
0: What does a bookkeeper generally cost? I know I'm sure it varies, but just give me a general idea. Yeah,
1: you know, they're all over the place. I've found local ones that will do it as cheap as 100 bucks a month, um, and then there's larger national ones that might be $500 a month. And a lot of it's going to okay. depend on how big your business is as well, how many transactions you're having per month. If you're just getting sure. started, I would say you're you're closer to the 100 to 200 a month range.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, when it comes to getting organized, um, is there any, any, are there any tools that you suggest? I mean, any software or what do you suggest to people if they say, I'm just not very organized, I need help, what can I do? Yep. So
1: QuickBooks is the number one accounting software. It's, it's pretty simple to use. You are going to want some training on it. If you're just getting started, you have one property and you have a few things here and there, just do an exp- Excel spreadsheet. Um, right. I, I have one on my website that you could look at and it's just, it, You need something to document what the expense was, why you spent it. So let's say you went to Walmart and spent $200. You want something to say, I went to Walmart on December 12th. I purchased ink for my printer. It was $200. That's what you need. Um, And then, obviously, the, the more receipts you can have to document that, the better as well.
0: Okay, that's that's great information. I think you're right when it comes to the uh the beginners in Excel spreadsheet a lot of times is good enough, but um and I know that's what I did. I created an Excel spreadsheet when I first got started. So that that's good advice. I think anything really that you're using to be organized, the fact that you're at least trying to be organized is a good first step. I know a lot of investors that just I mean, talk about a shoebox with receipts. There weren't even there wasn't even a shoebox, you know. There was no receipts. Yeah. So So, yeah, that and that's a that's a better way. To go. One
1: other point with that too is If you can set up a separate bank account and credit card account for your business, for your rental business, it's going to save you headaches as well because the IRS does generally accept credit card and bank receipts as formal receipts. But if you're mixing that with your personal expenses, it's a lot tougher to prove. So you should have a separate credit card and a separate bank statement for your business, and that will help you as well.
0: Yeah, that's good information because, yeah, you're right, exactly. A lot of times you can go back and just print off those statements and you have a lot of your documentation right there. If that's, you know, if you're just not keeping great records, you at least have that. So that's, yeah, that's a good point. That's really good information. So, all right, so what are the tax benefits that you, that you see real estate investors missing out on? And these are going to be guys and, and ladies who obviously are already doing real estate, what, what do you see people just completely missing that they could be taken advantage of, and how do they correct yep. that?
1: Okay, so th- this one's a tough one to answer because there's so many advantages that each person misses a different one. You know, a lot of them will read one book that tells them one thing, and they miss out on three others. But if I had to sum it up into the four most common ones I see, I see a lot of people missing out on what they call 1031 exchanges. And basically what that does is if you sell a property, specific, it's this mo- especially applies to rental properties. But let's say you own a re- rental property for a year and your renter says, hey, I want to buy it. You, go to, you sell it. And then what the IRS allows you to do, whereas typically you would pay taxes on any gains you had on that sale, they allow you to take all the money from that sale and buy a new property with it and not pay the taxes. Now, it's not saying you'll never pay the taxes. What it does is it rolls into the new property, but it defers those taxes, and you can keep doing that over and over again. Sell the property, defer the taxes into a new property. So I see a lot of people not either not know that that's possible or not understand how, exactly how it works. Um, okay. Another one is – we'll talk more about this next, I think, but they don't know the benefits of being a real estate professional. So there's different designations that real estate investors can do, and the most beneficial one is being labeled a real estate professional. It's going to allow you more tax breaks, uh, more be able to take more losses against other income, and a lot of people that would qualify it don't understand what that means and don't even bring it up to their CPA. So that that's a huge one that we will talk more about. And another one would be depreciation. This is... Depreciation is such a huge part of rental business because what it does is it allows people who are actually cash flowing and making money on their rental properties to show a loss on their tax return. It's kind of a phantom expense. And they don't understand how it works. They don't understand that various items get depreciated differently. For example, your actual house will be depreciated differently than the furniture you have in it. So you've got to know – what can be depreciated, what has to be depreciate, depreciated, and then the different lengths of depreciation. And finally, I would say um, – and again, this is something we'll talk about. They don't know how they can avoid dealer status on their rental properties, even if they're the dealer status in some other properties. So we'll talk more about that in a minute, but it has huge t- tax consequences for them.
0: But, okay. I want to go back. I'm yeah, oh, no, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to talk a little bit more about the 1031 exchange. Now, so the concept here is you have a house, you sell it, whether, you know, let's just say it's a rental. Like you said, you sell it to the person that, that's renting it, and then you take that money and, and use it to purchase another house, and you can defer, um, you can defer that, that income. But is there, are there any rules in terms of what the price of the next house has to be or the value? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so generally it has to be a house that's more expensive than the house you sold.
0: Right. And okay. they
1: also usually have time lengths on it. Like usually you have to do it within 60 days of when you sold the house. So the thing with the 1031 exchange and really all four of these that I said, you asked how, what the best way to correct them is. The best way is to plan ahead of time. So you, you yeah. can't go to your CPA at year end and say, hey, I sold a rental property back in February. I want to do a 1031 exchange. Like, no, that, that's too late then. You have to plan for these things. You have to get them done in advance. And then you can take advantage of these, these huge tax advantages they offer you.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like, too, the best way to go here because a lot of us in real estate, and I'm going to throw myself in the mix as well, we're we're just a little clueless about some of these tax things. So to me, and and in my business, I know what I do, and I I have a very good tax professional and a CPA that I work with, and he's constantly in contact with me. What are you up to? What's going on in your business? And obviously, the reason for that is he's trying to, to help me take advantage of things that I might not even be aware of. So I try to stay in very close communication with him about how many houses. I'm buying? Am I buying rentals? Am I doing fix and flips? What are the circumstances? And then he can give me specific advice so that I am sort of planning ahead or I'm I'm doing things like I should be doing so I don't have to remember all these things. And I I think just that that communication and staying in contact is important.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean... if you try to memorize all these things, you're not going to do it. Even if you just try to memorize these four tips I gave you. You're probably not going to remember them. The key is to plan in advance with a CPA. Like you said, be in constant contact. Hey, I'm about to sell a house. Is there anything I can do tax-wise to, to, to minimize the taxes I'm going to pay on it? That's your best bet for anything tax-wise. It's just to be in constant communication with, with your CPA that you're comfortable with.
0: Yep, I agree. I think that's good advice. I, I know I do that now. I didn't do it in the beginning, uh, but that is, this made a big difference for me. So, all right, we talked a little bit about dealer status and, and being a real estate professional. W- what do those two things mean? How are they different, and what are the implications of both?
1: Okay, so this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So there's there's a few different classifications that the IRS will label real estate investors, and the two ones that have the, the big tax consequences are what they call real estate professionals, and what they call dealers. So let's go over the real estate professional first. And just to give you an idea of how this works, so typically for most people, they have a rental property, and like we said, a lot of times, most times, even if it's making money, it's going to show a loss on your tax return. And that's great, because what that does is allow you to, to take that against other income. So if you have a W-2, you're still working at another job, you can take that loss from your rental property and reduce your taxable income from your job, Right. But one of the problems is they, they restrict how much you can take. So for most people, they're restricted. They can only take $25,000 per year. And that may sound like a lot, but for someone who has maybe 50 rental properties, that gets there really quick. I mean, they could have 50000 and they're not being able to take 25000 of that. On top of that restriction, there's also income restrictions. So once you hit $100,000 in income, whether it's just you, you and your spouse, whatever, if you guys are making 100000 they start to phase out that $25,000. Once you make $150,000, it has gone completely. So if your rental property had $20,000 in losses this year and you guys made over $150,000 in, in, at your jobs, you get to take none of that loss. It does roll forward to future years that hopefully you can take it in future years, but you're not taking advantage of it right then. So what the IRS does to try and correct this for some people, they have what they call the real estate professional. And if you're a real estate professional, you get to take all of those losses regardless of how much money you make. So if you have 100 rental properties, it it loses $50,000 tax-wise. You get to take the full $50,000, and it's just a huge, huge tax benefit. So, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just saying, "Yeah, I have a rental business. I'm a real estate professional." They they can't make it that simple, can they? <laughs> <No. clears throat> so what they do, they have they have two criteria you have to make to meet to become a real estate professional. First, you have to spend at least 750 hours per year working in your real estate business. Whether that's working with your property managers, finding uh prospective renters yourself, working on the property yourself. No matter what you're basically no matter what you're doing with the property. If you're spending time on your rental property and you're spending more than 750 hours a year, you meet the first test, okay? So that one's that one's pretty straightforward. The next one is what eliminates a lot of people. Even if you're hitting that 750 hours per year, you have to work spend more than 50% of your working hours in your real estate business. This means that if you have another job which I would say most, most real estate investors, at least in the beginning, have other jobs. You have to spend more time on your real estate than you spend in your job. So if you have a full-time job working 40 hours a week, that adds, that, that adds up to 2,080 hours per year, which means to be a real estate professional, you have to work at least 2,081 hours per year. Okay. So if, if you have another job, it's going to be very difficult to qualify for this. But if you don't, it's something you want to – First, inform your CPA that you think you qualify. And second, as we've talked about with the other expenses, you have to document this because the IRS is skeptical of people who claim this, right? It's such a huge right. tax advantage. Sure. So what you need to do is document your time. Whether it, it could be as simple as a spreadsheet for each day saying, today I spent three hours interviewing prospective renters. You want to show the IRS how much time you spent and exactly what you spent it on. So it's a huge tax advantage, and it's something that you want to take seriously and really document. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And and what I'm left one okay because I was I was wondering myself. So if the 750 hours, I think you said is is what you have to work. Why wouldn't everybody just go? Yeah, I did that. I mean, so then it, the 50 percent of your time is really the the thing that probably stops most people because I'm sure you know the government's not dumb enough to think that someone's working 40 hours and then you know all these people are working another exactly. 41 hours exactly. of. of even though some people may actually do that or at least feels like it sometimes some of us, yep. you know, that, that's not realistic. So I understand how to become a real estate professional in terms of you know, what, is it, what, what makes you qualify. But what makes you qualify to be a dealer? How does that status uh, get bestowed upon you? Yeah,
1: so this is the really scary one. So basically, once you start investing in real estate, the IRS puts you into two categories. You're either an investor or a dealer. So an investor is someone who is buying properties with the intent to keep them for the long run, to turn them into rentals and maybe possibly sell them down the road, but th- their real intent is to rent them out and let them appreciate. A dealer is someone who is buying their property with the intent to sell it for short gains, to, to fix the, f- the pro- to, uh, sorry, to flip the property shortly, whether that's in a year, a year and a half. Um, their, their main goal is to sell that property and make their money that way. So the, what's, what the problem is, once you get labeled the dealer status, you lose a ton of the tax benefits involved with real estate. Okay? So w- one of the big benefits of real estate, the money you make in it in a rental property. Let's say that you, you do make money in a rental property. You're making $15,000 a year. Most businesses, that $15,000 would be subject to not only your regular tax rate, but an additional 15% self-employment tax. As a real estate investor, it is not subject to that self-employment tax. So it's a huge, huge benefit to be labeled an investor. What happens with the dealer, they are now considered a business and not a, a real estate business. And not only is it subject to their regular taxes, it's also subject to that 15%. Okay? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay.
1: So let's, get, let's look at an example here. Let's say that there's two people. One's labeled an investor and one's labeled a dealer. Okay? They yep. both buy a house, they both sell it exactly a year later, and they both profit $20,000 after all the expenses, okay? They make the exact yep. same amount of money for the year, so they're in the same tax bracket. So basically, their taxes should be exactly the same. What's going to happen with the investor? He's going to pay the long-term capital gains rate of 15%, and he's going to be taxed $3,000 on that $20,000. What's going to happen with the dealer he's going to be labeled, it's going to be labeled as, as, a, as a business transaction, not a capital gain. So he's going to be uh, hit with his normal rate, probably 25%. Okay? And on top of yeah. that, he's going to be get hit with another roughly 15% self-employment tax. So his tax on that $20,000 gain is going to be $8,000. So ju- wow. just on a $20,000 transaction, everything else exactly the same, the dealer is going to pay $5,000 more in taxes than the investor will.
0: Okay, so then the, the big question yep. here, how, what makes you a dealer?
1: Yep, so it all comes down to intent. Unfortunately, so with the, the real estate professional, it's pretty simple, right? You pass those two tests, and you can determine whether you're a professional or not. With the dealer, it's, it, there's no test. It's, really, it's, it's on you. It's your intent. Are you buying the property with the intent to sell it shortly to, to get a short-term gain on it, or are you selling the property with the intent to rent it out? and have it appreciate in value and maybe sell it down the road. Um, it's kind of a common sense question. You, you know what you're doing. You know what your intent is when you sell it. And you'll see a lot of things on the Internet that might tell you, oh, as long as you sell less than three a year, you're an investor and not a dealer. It's totally not true. It does not matter how many you sell. It doesn't matter how long it took you to sell it. All that matters is your intent when you bought it, okay? So if if I buy a rental property and something comes up a year later and I sell it, I'm still an investor because my intent was to rent it out. An unexpected circumstance came up and I sold it. If I buy a property to flip it and I can't sell it for a year and a half, I'm still a dealer. It doesn't matter that it took a year and a half. My intent was to flip it. Does that make sense?
0: It makes sense, but then it begs the question – how does the government know your intent? <laughs> and nobody is going to say they intend to be a dealer. They're all going to intend to be investors. And, you know, so, yeah, it's a very subjective thing. Mm-hmm. How how do they do that? Yeah,
1: so, and this is it's kind of a subjective thing. It's, yeah, it's up to the IRS to determine whether you are telling the truth or not. And some things you can do to protect yourself. First of all, when you start your business, write up a business plan. Say, I intend to buy property to rent it out. Um, I intend to buy a property to fix and flip it. That's one of your best pieces of evidence is before you did it, writing down a formal plan of what your intent was. So the IRS can come in and say, okay, you did have this plan. You did say in advance, you plan to do it. Another thing, if you buy a property and you never rent it out and you sell it a year later, it's going to be tough to prove that your intent was to rent it, right? So get a renter in there and prove that that's why you did it, you know?
0: So it also would be tough i think if if three years running you you buy and sell twenty houses within three months you know for each house, and then you try to you know say that you, your intent was to rent them out and be an investor. I would think at some point your track record's also going to exactly. be a problem
1: yeah i mean if you've bought and sold. 15 houses over the last two years, the IRS is going to laugh at you trying to label yourself an investor. Right? It, <laughs> right. It's really it's a common sense law. You know what your intention yeah, was yeah. when you bought yep. the property. Be honest with it. it it's not worth trying, to, trying to, to get one over on the IRS. They're going to catch you. You're going to pay way more in interest and penalties than you would have if you just would have told the truth up front.
0: Yeah, they might not have a good sense of humor. about Yeah, they,
1: they typically don't. I, I found IRS agents aren't very uh, fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think they are either. Like I said, I, I did go through an audit once, and and honestly, the the person that I was dealing with was actually pretty cool, and 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 she was understanding of our situation. But still, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we're going out and having <laughs> drinks with her nowadays. But um, yeah, she was all right. But I I get the point. I don't think it it doesn't make sense. I mean, this is your business. Let's let's look at it that way, right? If we're we're investors, this is a business. This is your life. This is there's money a lot of money involved here and if you're trying to do something for the long haul let's let's not um play games let's set it up let's let's you know do things right from the beginning and um yeah i think that's that's the way to go for sure i I don't think it's you should be playing around with this stuff exactly
1: so now so let let, let us talk about the really tricky part with this dealer versus investor thing so if one property in your business is considered dealer status all of them revert to dealer status okay
0: so if you
1: have 10 rental properties you buy one fix and flip all of a sudden you're a dealer okay and what that means is you're gonna lose all the tax benefits on all ten of those rentals because you had one fix and flip so the next question is how do you avoid this right And we talked about this a little bit up front, but what you do is you create two separate businesses. You have a business for your rental properties, and you have a business for your fix and flips. You have to protect those rental properties from the dealer status. It's going to cripple your tax advantages, and you have to plan it in advance. Do not buy a fix and flip under your rental property business. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes great sense. I think that's huge. That I mean, that to me, that's one of the biggest uh, points that we've made so far. Honestly, I think people, you know, they they start their you know house flippers LLC, and uh, it's go yeah, I'm gonna start buying some rentals too. And you're right, you can spoil the entire the entire bunch of rentals in terms of taxes. If you're just doing it all under one general LLC umbrella, I think that's huge, and I think a lot of people do that. Oh, that's yeah. the problem, right? And, yep. then, and then maybe they realize it after they have 10 or 15 rentals under their belt, and then you know, then what? Can you, can you retroact? Can you fix that? I mean, is there a way to, to fix it? It, it?
1: It's tough to do. Um, it, it's, first of all, it's tough to get, to, to get out of your business entity you're already in. It is possible, but if the IRS determines that you're a dealer, you're, you're not going to have many options at that point. You're, you're a dealer there. So you want to do it before the IRS comes in and, and labels that. And this just co- comes back to what we've talked about already. It, it takes planning. you got to plan in advance. you got to know what your intentions are. And if those intentions yeah. change, start a new business. Don't take any chances.
0: Yep. No, that's great advice. That, that's huge. And I think that's you know, this, this um this podcast is for is really aimed at new investors, people who either haven't even bought their first property or maybe have just bought one or two and they're still really new and kind of green and don't don't know a lot of the ins and outs and specifics. So that's that's key. I mean to me the, the underlying theme here is plan ahead. Plan ahead and communicate with your CPA. And I think if you do those things, you don't have to be a tax expert. You don't have to remember everything that's being said here. You just have to plan ahead and be very you know, involved with your CPA, your tax professional, so that you're not making mistakes. And, and more so than just not making mistakes, you're actually taking advantage of things that, you sh- that you're entitled to. Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two things that are going to cost you money on your taxes, not taking advantage of things you're entitled to and taking advantage of things you're not entitled to. And right. in order to avoid both of those, you got, it takes planning. That, that's the bottom line.
0: Right. So, all right. So we, we've kind of covered it. I, I wanted to ask you some of the, like a, for a new real estate investor, some guidelines for setting up their business. But I don't know. I think we may have actually kind of covered that in terms of, you know, picking the right entity, staying in contact, planning ahead and being really, really good with record keeping and being very diligent about where you're spending your time and, and how much time you're spending, whether you're, you know, we're doing this full time or doing it part time on the side. Right. I mean, is there anything else you would say from someone who's just ready to come out of the gates, have not bought their first property, anything we haven't covered?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I would just sum it up the same way. you got to plan in advance, create that business plan right from the start, saying what your intentions with your business are get the systems in place before you even start to, to, to track your expenses, whether you're just going to do an Excel spreadsheet, whether you're going to learn how to use QuickBooks, whether you're going to hire a bookkeeper, get that in advance, get that done in advance before you even start your business. And I guess one thing I guess we haven't talked about is there's also something called startup costs with the business. And what the IRS does is they treat money that you spend on the business before you start in the business differently. And, They only allow you to deduct $5,000 of that if you haven't started your business yet. So let's say you decide you want to start a real estate business, right? And you start doing your research, and maybe you want to buy a property in Wyoming when you live in Ohio. So you spend some money flying down there to look at properties. Until you actually buy a property and start that business, the IRS limits you to only deducting 5000 of your startup costs. The rest of it has to be depreciated. So you really want to be careful in the startup phase that, one, you're not spending too much money, and two, that you're documenting it.
0: Great. That's great advice, too. I mean, that's, like I said, that's perfect for, for my audience because uh, a lot of them are just getting started. They they haven't even bought their first property. So yeah, that's that's super good advice, man. That's awesome. Very good. Okay. We've covered a ton of ground here. I know I've taken a lot of notes. I've been scratching down things as we're talking here. And then we're, you know, all this is going to be in the show notes. So definitely go check that out at juststartrealestate.com forward slash Josh Bowerly. And the last name, first name Josh, J-O-S-H, last name is spelled B-A-U-E-R-L-E. Bowerly. So check that out in the show notes. Uh, we'll have all this information and we're going to have some links there too. Josh, why don't you talk about, I, I know, uh, you know you're out there, you're, you've got things that you're doing in services, you're helping people out. Where can people find you? What are you working on? What should people know about you? How can they get uh, more information?
1: Yeah. So the best place to find me is on my website, which is just cpajdb.com. And we have a lot of free resources there, tons of articles on taxes, how you can minimize your taxes, strategies you can do, some specifically to real estate, some to just business in general. And one of the things we're really excited about this year, and this is for the businesses we talked about, people who are just starting out, people who are are new to it, we're offering a package called our Entrepreneur Deluxe Package. And what we're going to do, we're going to work with you to, to discuss what business entity is best for you. We've talked about how important that is. We're going to review your prior year tax returns to see if any mistakes were made. This is especially true for people who try to do it themselves at first. We find so many mistakes there. So we'll review those, see if there's any mistakes we can correct before the IRS finds them. Finally, we're going to prepare your 2013 business and personal tax returns. And then we're also going to give you 30 minutes of consulting per month for the entire year so we can do what we've talked about here, be in constant contact, discuss things as they're happening, and really get you on the best strategy for the entire year. We're going to offer that total package this year for $995. So we're really wow. excited about that, It's really specifically towards new business owners.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome. And I think, you, like you said, that consultation throughout the year is huge. I mean, that's, that's huge, yep. right? Yeah, and so, we want to
1: do that because – people are still so afraid they don't want to pay the hourly rate to get that consulting so we kind of put it want to put it all all in one package here so people could get that and not be afraid of being nickel and dime the entire year
0: right Wow, that's, that is fantastic. I, uh, definitely suggest people check that out and take advantage, especially if you haven't started yet. Like you said, uh, the, the entrepreneur deducts package. I, I mean, I can't tell you. I'm just, I'm speaking from as a guy who, who has gotten audited, right? So that money is, is just worth avoiding the audit alone. And I, I was working with the CPA. They just, they made a mistake. It wasn't their, you know, wasn't their, uh, forte, the small business owner. So, um, you know, it was, it was an honest mistake. It wasn't intentional, obviously, but it cost me, Let's just put it this way. It cost me a lot more than $995. <laughs> sure. I mean, a lot more than that. Um, so people should check that out at cpajdb.com with Josh Bowerly. And, uh, man, anything else going on? Eh? How can people get a hold of you? Through your website, I assume? Yeah, through
1: my website, there's a few contact forms there. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Josh Bowerly. Uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash jdb business solutions. So any of those places is a great place to contact. And one more thing with the package, we do take people all over the country. Uh, We we can meet by Skype, email, phone, whatever. And we are actually limiting it to 50 people this year because there's obviously only so many consulting hours to go around. So it's going pretty quick if you are interested, make sure you get in contact with us.
0: Awesome. Josh, you're the man. You have given us just tons of great information and uh, saved people probably tens of thousands of dollars if they follow your advice. So I really appreciate you being on. I mean, this is great stuff. We joked in the beginning a little bit about the, the content and very difficult to follow, but you made it easy. I, I think you, you said it in plain English, so I think that helps quite a bit, too. People should definitely go to your website. Check out the show notes tons of information and with tax season coming, you cannot afford to wait. So let's take advantage of this now. Like I said, Josh, you are the man. I appreciate your time, buddy. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me on. Big fan of real estate, big fan of your show.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. And uh, we will see you next time. All right. Thanks. Remember, if you want to be a real estate investor, if you want to get involved in real estate and really do something big in this business, there's only one way to make that dream a reality. Just start. We'll be right back.
1: back.